Hey there, listeners. This is Ryan, and you are listening to the Pagemaster Book Review Podcast, the podcast where we break down the latest and greatest novels climbing up the bestseller charts. So, whether you're considering picking up a new bestseller, or if you want to get back into reading in general, come on in, pour yourself some coffee, and make yourself at home as we dive into your next great read. To all of our first-time listeners, welcome, and to our returning listeners, welcome back, welcome to the show. I hope you're all doing well. To jump right into things, this week we have for you James McBride's seventh novel, Deacon King Kong. James McBride is an accomplished musician and author whose books have sold millions of copies around the world. He is the author of the National Book Award-winning and New York Times best-selling The Good Lord Bird, the number one best-selling American classic The Color of Water, Five Carat Soul, Song Yet Sung, A Miracle at St. Anna, and Kill Him and Leave. Awarded a National Humanities Medal by President Obama for humanizing the complexities of discussing race in America, McBride is a distinguished writer in residence at New York University. In his seventh novel, Deacon King Kong, spreading over 370 pages, we find ourselves set in September of 1969. A fumbling, cranky old church deacon in the neighborhood known as Sport Coat, shuffles into the courtyard of the Causeway Housing Projects in South Brooklyn, pulls a 38 from his pocket, and in front of everybody, shoots the project's drug dealer at point-blank range. In Deacon King Kong, McBride brings to vivid life the people affected by the shooting. The victim the African-American and Latinx residents who witnessed it, the white neighbors, the local NYPD cops assigned to investigate what happened, the members of the Five Ends Baptist Church where Sport Coat was seeking, the neighborhood's Italian mobsters, and Sport Coat himself. As the story deepens, it becomes clear that the lives of these characters Caught in the tumultuous swirl of New York in the late 1960s, overlap in unexpected ways. When the truth finally emerges, McBride shows us that not all secrets can be hidden. That the best way to grow is to face change without fear, and that the seeds of love lie in compassion and hope. Deacon King Kong was... Oprah's Book of the Month for June and July. It was a timely choice because it followed its its release followed the murder of George Floyd at the hands of law enforcement. At a time of civil unrest, at a time where 
talks of race are more prominent than ever. Deacon King Kong is a special book because it shows what happens when a community comes together. It shows what happens when you choose compassion, hope, and love over fear. McBride's writing style is very similar to the best way I can describe to painting. He is like Michelangelo painting the roof, I'm sorry, the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. And what I mean by that is it's very, it seems very daunting at first. However, what he does is he creates such an immersive world. It's one of those books where you feel as if you're actually, you know, watching a mini movie and it's beautiful, just plain beautiful because he plants so many small little Easter eggs that the further you get more into the book and he recalls, you, you just find yourself very surprised. And everything finds itself weaving together seamlessly. So the book does start off a little slow, but again, it's that world building. There's nothing in the book that is unintentional. While the plot is very straightforward, of course there are many callbacks to previous chapters and moments where a character's brief background is uh, revealed within a matter of maybe 30 seconds to 2 minutes. So it's not as if you're doing research as you're reading. You know, it's think of it kind of like as a a voiceover, uh, where let's say you know you're watching a movie, and all of a sudden a new character is introduced, the movie stops, and then you hear a voiceover, you know, for a brief thirty second overview on the character's intention or their past, and that's something I, I appreciated. It definitely makes the characters more easy to maintain and track. That said, this book has so many colorful characters in the sense that it's you know, the the Causeway housing projects where Sport Coat lives, you know, it is teeming with life, so many people from so many different walks of life. And each person is as memorable as the last. Uh, one of my personal favorites, there is a character who is <laughs> upset because her husband left her for a man. And so she is always cursing him out or trying to get even at him. And it's unfortunate for her character but the fact that this happened, I guess it's very, I want to say it hits close to home. I've 
there was a similar situation that I've witnessed. So it's very complex. It is very relatable. And it's ultimately unforgettable. Another huge portion or something significant about Deacon King Kong in regards to McBride's writing style is that the book is definitely filled with tumultuous tragedies and a lot of injustices. But McBride uses comedy to bring levity to the situation and ultimately I think that's definitely a testament to I guess the theme or idea that you know, sometimes you have to just laugh. If you don't, your situation becomes a lot more bleak, a lot more depressing, and you know, it definitely pounds and chips away at your life. And that comedy, you know, there's a saying that comedy is tragedy with timing and timing is definitely very important in the novel um, in regards to how there's not necessarily plot twists but again McBride is skillful at timing how and when he ties storylines together of different characters. So, moving on to a more, a little more in-depth, within the first few chapters, we find a quote that says, when Sportcoat was born, the midwife who delivered him declared that he was doomed for life. I'm sorry, uh, doomed from the beginning. And yet, 70 years later, he is still alive. He's had many close scrapes with death, and yet he is still alive. Then, when he confronts the project's dealer, uh, Dean Clemens, shoots him in broad daylight, the neighborhood, instead of ratting him out, circle around him and in that first uh, that first major scene and the following pages afterwards for me it felt as if though McBride was trying to send a message about community as a community Causeway has its problems however there's a lot of love in those communities, and it's very interesting. There are several novels I've read over the last year or so. Um, specifically, what comes to mind is Therese Ann Fowler's A Good Neighborhood, and although the setting takes place in a more upper-middle-class, more affluent neighborhood, you know, they had their problems as well, but there wasn't a strong sense of community when compared to the Causeway housing projects in the sense that the instant there was trouble or a disturbance uh, 
the residents of the neighborhood in a good neighborhood basically turn on one another. Whereas with the Causeway housing projects, there's a unity. I think that unity is very important for them. One, they're already at the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to social economic opportunities. These people are working and living paycheck to paycheck, still unable to afford the space they're living in. And yet, there's a saying that comes to mind from the Prince of Egypt. I think it was Jethro, the father of Moses' wife, who said, when all you have is nothing, there's plenty enough to go around. And essentially that means you take care of your own because you understand what it's like to have nothing. So when it comes to the, the causeway protecting sport coat, I think they also understand that he's an integral part of the causeway. He's been there for years. He's seen people grow up. He's babysat. He's influenced a lot of people. And it's kind of beautiful to see a neighborhood gather and protect their elders. The next part, uh, the next thing of interest is chapter seven titled The March of the Ants. To summarize, every year, at a certain time, there is a giant slab of uh, beautiful, wonderful tasting cheese that gets dropped off into the Causeway housing projects, and nobody knows where it comes from, who delivers it, but it's something that everyone looks forward to. However, it's not just the people that look forward to this. It is also the ants. A an immigrant comes from a, to America, uh, ends up residing in the causeway, and actually not even in the causeway. He just lives in New York. He has a family back home. He leaves that family for a new interest. And as a parting gift, his former spouse packs him a lunchbox filled with ants. Those ants escape and make their uh, make their house, uh, their home, close to, if not directly inside, the Causeway housings. And every time this... Uh, this time of year, when the cheese slab is delivered, the ants come marching out of one building into the next. And I think it's a metaphor, again, for the entire Causeway housing projects. You have so many people coming from so many different countries, all jam-packed in these tight little spaces with their family members, co-workers and whatnot 
working their tails off every day just for bare scraps. But those scraps are mouthwatering and delicious. It's, again, it's, it's a metaphor for all the hardships these people go through. And it's comedic in the sense of, you know, just imagining you're walking down the street and you see a thick row of ants marching, carrying, you know, giant pieces of cheese with them, and, you know, just going about their day. Again, McBride, in my opinion, is using humor to bring levity and a little bit of calmness and life to an otherwise depressing situation. Something else that was also prevalent through the novel was the amount of romances. Now, it's not a love story by any means. Well, actually, I take that back. I think you could consider Deacon King Kong a love story in the sense that it's about a it's about a people in love with their community. Um, however, there are more specific romances. You have Sister G, one of the um, one of the elders at the Five Ends Baptist Church, who has an infatuation with an officer. You have Sport Coat, and although. This is not going to be a, a spoiler. Uh, although his wife, Hetty, is deceased, he still interacts with her in his mind. And then you also have uh, one of the mobsters, um, Elefanti. He falls in love with one of his father's associates' uh, daughters. So, there are plenty of romances going around, and there are a lot more smaller ones. However, those are the more uh, notable ones. And what those romances do for the story, again, it definitely helps tie together multiple character storylines together. And again, it also just brings more levity into everyone's situation, and it shows their humanity, that... Everyone, to an extent, seeks companionship. The last thing I wanted to bring up was Sport Coat in general, uh, his life in general. Although he's had, you know, quite a few bumps along the road, and he's certainly had his obstacles, um, key point being the death of his wife and his alcoholism, overall, the message that comes through from Sport Coat's life is that we fall in love with people that meet a need in us, and that it's not so much about where you end up in life. It's, you know, that thing about the journey and finding those key moments that bring you joy. And specifically in Sport Coat's case, again, going back to the entire community 
you know, shielding him from his, his repercussions, it's kind of a testament to all the lives that you know, he's had an impact on. And I think that says something when your legacy is positivity on everyone you meet. And something else that just struck me was that it's also that notion that it's not about how many times you get knocked down, but how many times you get back up. And that's something Sportcoat definitely did throughout the novel. Again, he's had his obstacles, you know, come straight for him time and time again. Be it every day he gets up and does something, whether it's just a simple act of helping an old woman prune her garden or whether it's going to work himself he's always trying to do something there's always something positive that he tries to get out of each day and if that's just getting out of bed then so be it overall though this was a timely uh, a timely novel that affects so many, or that touches, it touches upon so many different relevant topics: uh, diversity, uh, race relations, um, community, among many more. Overall, I gave this a perfect five out of five stars, and. Just thinking about the book, I'm, I'm literally actually tearing up because it was remembering it. It's it had a lot more impact, and it's still taking me time to process that impact. But until next time, this has been the Page Master Book Review Podcast. <laughs>